0: Well, grace and peace to you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you have a Bible today, you might be opening it to John chapter 5. John chapter 5, and we'll be there in just a moment. It's the season of joy, and we have opportunities to to be joyous next Sunday at 5 o'clock. We'll be having a Christmas party here, and then on December 22nd, on on a Wednesday, we'll be watching uh, the chosen Christmas special and be doing some special activities with uh, the children who are here. So I encourage you to participate in those events. We're in a study of the Gospel of John, and we're at chapter 5 this week, and I want to begin by, by reading uh, the first 19 verses. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five-roofed colonnades. And in these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. And one man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? And the sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, and while I'm going, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, Get up, take up your bed, and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath, and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, The man who healed me, that that, that man said to me, Take up your bed and walk. And they asked him, Who is the man who said to you, Take up your bed and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was. For Jesus had withdrawn as there was a crowd in the place. And afterward Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See you are well. Sin no more, that that nothing worse may happen to you. And the man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father is working until now, and I am working. This was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him. Because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own Father, making himself equal with God. And so Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. Thirty-eight years is a long time. Thirty-eight years without being able to walk. Thirty-eight years of begging and asking people for handouts. Thirty-eight years of being ignored and having people step over you as they went to dip themselves in the pool. 38 years is even longer when we put it into the context of the first century, because in those times, the average life expectancy was 35 years. And so this man had been this way for a lifetime. And every day was the same. So what happens after 38 years of living this way? Does a person give up hope? Does a person stop looking for for life to ever be different? You know, it's interesting in this text that, that nothing is said about this man's faith. We see this in other healing stories. Jesus will acknowledge the, the, the faith of the person who's being healed, but not here, not in this story. Why is this? Had this man's faith waned? Had he at some point begun to despair because of his situation? We do not know. We're not told. All we know is that he had been this way for a long, long time. What does it do to a person when they are continually ignored? When people will literally step over you on their way to somewhere else? The man's description of his situation is heartbreaking. We find it in verse 7. It says, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I am going, another steps down before me. Now this man is not just being ignored by a person or two. He is being ignored by society. And so how does a society get to the point where this happens? where we fail to have compassion on the people around us. You'll remember that this took place in Jerusalem, the capital city of God's people, the place that is home to the temple of God. And it was here that a man who could not walk was ignored day after day, After day. The first thing this text should do is invite us to consider who it is we ignore. Who do we look past? Who do we step over on our way to other places? Is this not what the the priest and the Levite did when they encountered a man who was hurt? On the side of the road, they stepped over him and just kept on walking. How does this happen? It happens when we categorize and dehumanize. We see people as the homeless, or we see people as the poor. And we see them as a problem or as an obstacle in our way rather than as human beings created in the image of God. Jesus sees this man here in John chapter 5 just as he sees the woman at the well in John chapter 4. He acknowledges their humanity. He speaks to them with dignity. And this is something that we all can do. As Christians, we don't have to step over people. In fact, we must not step over people. We stop. We smile. We pay attention. And we we help wherever we can. What is fascinating about this text is the question that that Jesus asked in verse 6. It says there, when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, He said to him, Do you want to be made well? Remember that we read the text of the Bible to encounter Jesus. And so the questions that Jesus is asking people in the Gospel of John are questions that he is asking us today. And so just as we are to sit with the question that he first asked his disciples, what are you seeking? We are to sit with this question as well. We are to meditate on these words. We are to reflect on on how these words apply to our lives here in 2021. Do you want to be made well? Hmm. Hmm. This is an intriguing question. And in our first response when, when we read this in the text, it's, of course, you know, of course this, this man here, he, he wants to be healed. Who wouldn't? However, we have to remember that Jesus asks questions for a reason. He always has a purpose. He sees what we do not see. He notices what we do not notice. He, he knows people's hearts. And if we can answer a question that Jesus asked without thinking, then we probably missed the point somewhere. Amen. 38 years is a long time. And when someone has had a disability or an illness that long, what well, what happens is it becomes a part of them. And sometimes people live with something for so long that they just don't want it to change. And, and the way that they are living becomes normal, and, and change, that becomes scary. And so the first step to becoming well is wanting to become well. And we know this, we see this kind of thing all the time. A person may be a hoarder. And that person is frustrated by all the clutter that's in their house. But they don't want it to change. A husband and wife may be on the brink of divorce and their marriage is falling apart and that's, it's just not very pleasant. But maybe one of them or maybe both of them doesn't want to make the necessary changes to make it better. And in these situations and other situations like them, you can have the best counselor in the world. But it does not matter if a person does not want to change their circumstances. Do you want to be made well? How are we to read this? How are we to understand this? Well, we need to begin with what makes us unwell. And that is sin. And and living with sin for long periods of time is not good. Paul warns in 1 Timothy 4 and verse 2 that if this happens, our conscience can become seared. And so Paul is saying that, that we can live with sin for so long, that we may reach a point that we don't ever want to be changed. Do you want to be made well? It may be that we like being angry, and we just don't want to give it up. And we've met people who are mad at the world, and they don't want to change. It may be that greed has gotten a hold of us, and we're going to pursue wealth, and we're going to pursue possessions until the very end, and we don't have any desire to live differently. Jesus once met a man like that, and he did not want to be made well. It may be that we enjoy controversy and you know, just have no intention of ever living at peace with the people around us, and we need to sit with a question like this one. Do we want to be made well from our lust? Do we want to be made well from our envy? Do we want to be made well from our hatred, from our jealousy, from our pride? Do we want to be made well? And how we answer this question matters. We cannot be transformed until we first desire to be transformed. We will not become like Jesus until we first want to be like Jesus. And so we want to have to love like Him. And we want to have to have this desire to forgive like Him. And we, want to, we have to want to serve like Him. And if we don't, then we'll just continue embracing the old sinful ways that we've always known. We discover that this man does want to be healed. And Jesus heals him without him having to get into this pool. Because Jesus is enough. And he says to him, stand up and take your mat and walk. And immediately, this man is made well. But this is not the end of the story. As he's walking home with his mat, he's approached by some Jews who want to know why he is carrying that mat on the Sabbath. And, of course, this is not unusual. If you've read the Gospels, Jesus has multiple run-ins with Jews and Pharisees and teachers of the law concerning the Sabbath. And on one occasion, Jesus says the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And if you've read beyond the Gospels, if you've read Genesis, you know that the Sabbath dates back to creation, and that God rested on the seventh day, and that we are to imitate God. And later, Sabbath laws were given at Mount Sinai, and these are found in the book of Exodus. And so God wants his people to observe the Sabbath. But it's fascinating because he does not give very specific guidelines about what is to be done on the Sabbath. And over time, some people, some Jewish leaders, establish rules that are not found in the Mosaic laws. And these were rules like you're not to carry your mat on the Sabbath. Well, how does Jesus respond here? How does he respond to his critics? Verse 19, so Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. And and Jesus is making an important theological point here. It's the same point that we read at the beginning of the Gospel of John. No one has ever seen God, the only God who's at the Father's side. He has made Him known. And so again, Jesus is the full revelation of God. When we look at Jesus, what we're looking at is we're looking at God. He is showing us God because He is God. And so how is a person supposed to observe the Sabbath? Some humans think they know, and so they create rules for for doing so. Probably well-meaning. They they didn't mean any harm. They're trying to obey God and do all that. But Jesus comes, and he shows us. He shows us what God wants. So John 5 is about the Sabbath, but it's about so many other things as well. Because of sin, we don't know how to live. We think we know. We create our own rules and guidelines and habits and practices and other ways of living. We cling to our creations. We don't want to give them up. And then comes along Jesus and he teaches us how to live. And he shows us what an abundant life looks like. And he leads the way and We are to follow Him. God is not asking us to do anything ridiculous. He's not sitting in heaven asking us to to jump through all these hoops. What we learn in passages like this is that God goes first. God leads the way. And what we're to do is we're, we're to do what God does. Why? Because it is good. Because it leads to flourishing. Because it's how we're supposed to live. And we have to trust that God knows best. We have to trust that God knows better than than we do. You know, if I want to do X, but God says to do Y, then I have to make a decision in that moment. Am I going to trust myself or am I going to trust God? And I have to go with God rather than my desires or my instincts. We have to trust that that God knows better than the culture that we've been born into. And if we want to be made well, then we must trust God and follow Him. And so Jesus gives us the key to being made well. He reveals what abundant life looks like. And it is when our will is perfectly aligned with God's will. And we have to consider here that this is not always easy. That it sometimes does not align with what we want. And Jesus may come along and disrupt how we've always done something. That's what's happening in this text. It's the case with these these Jews who confront him. And are they willing to consider that they may be wrong? Are they willing to consider that, that Jesus offers a better way? And these are not only questions for the Jews, but they're questions for us. And again, we get back to the questions that Jesus asked 2,000 years ago. We get back to the questions that that generations of, of Christians have contemplated. We get back to these questions that really matter. What are you seeking? Do you want to be made well? And we can pretend that we know the answers. We can read these questions and these texts quickly and just move on to something else. Or we can slow down and spend some time with each of these questions. We can examine our lives to, to see what it is we are seeking each day. We can ask ourselves if we want to be made well from whatever it is we're clinging to. We can take seriously the words of Jesus that are not always easy to hear, but that we know lead to blessing. We know they are good for us. And if we are courageous enough to consider them, our lives are going to be better. Our lives will have a purpose And we will learn to be who we were created, who we were always created to be. Because Jesus offers us redemption. He offers us peace and joy. He offers us grace. Jesus offers us healing. But we have to want it. We have to seek Him. We have to want to be made well. And so. Let us hear the words of Jesus, not to dismiss them, but to sit with them. Do you want to be made well? Let's pray. O Lord, hear our prayer. We bow before you this morning. We bow before the great physician. And we come seeking help from the doctor of our souls. Heal us, Lord. Make us well. We have been shaped by a world of sin. We have adopted habits that we should have never adopted. We are weak and we need your help. Heal us, Lord. Make us well. It is our desire to be like Jesus. We desperately want to be transformed into his image. Make his ways our ways. May we walk in his paths and follow his example. Heal us, Lord. Make us well. We're so grateful that, that you are near. And that we are blessed that your Holy Spirit lives within us. We have the help that we need. May we always keep our eyes on Jesus. Because it is in him that we are made well. Oh Lord, hear our prayer. We offer these words in the name of Jesus. Amen. Receive this blessing from the book of Hebrews.